0: <laughs> I don't <know>. remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I used to love TGIF. It was like one of my favorite things. That was, that's when TV was good, wasn't it? Uh, well, I mean, you had what was the lineup? You had the Urkel show. What, what was mm-hmm. it called? Family. Family Matters. Uh, Family Matters. Yep. Um, what was it? Boy Meets World with a uh, Fred Savage's brother. Um, uh, what Ben? Ben Savage. Was that it? could be yeah
1: I don't know. um
0: step by step and hang with mr cooper
1: full house
0: full house oh yeah that was the early lineup huh? Yeah, yeah that was yeah they kept changing the lineup anyway i used to love tgif yeah. I, I would uh i would look forward to the the weekend just so i could see tgif
1: have you noticed that every good show is on thursday now
0: there's a lot of good shows. Office. Like,
1: like they're moving... They move, they've they been moving shows from other nights on to Thursday. And so now it's it's totally impossible. Maybe this is their goal. Like, it's totally impossible to watch some of the shows that we used to watch because...
0: They overload the schedule. Yeah. It's a strategy. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think the other networks, they say, all right, what's the number one show? Okay, let's put our show there. So then you're forced to choose.
1: Yeah, which I think is a really bad decision. Yeah. Because... If you can have it on a different night, and you can get five million viewers from the other show, Why wouldn't not? that be a better idea? Wouldn't yeah. it be better to have twenty million viewers than fifteen million viewers on the same time? No, see,
0: I, I think I think it's a it's a like a greedy type of thing. They're, they're like, hey, let's see if we can take away viewers or yeah, whatever. I don't know. I I like The Office. That that's my show. Yeah, I
1: like The Office. I like The Office. It's a good show. Well. It's a funny show. I won't say that it's a good show. <laughs> Let's not fun- get carried away. <laughs> it's but, funny. It's funny. Yeah. It's
0: funny to laugh at uh at Michael Scott and everything going on. You know, yeah, the awkward moments. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessarily uplifting or uh you know terribly spiritually themed by and any means. Anyway, no shape or form. No, no way, shape but, or form.
1: Yeah, it's been uh, it's been interesting. Anyway, probably shouldn't talk about TV the whole time.
0: No, we we got we got better things to talk about. We got
1: bigger fish to fry. Yeah. How's worship been going at your church, by the way?
0: You know it's it's been uh, it's been good. Last um, uh, last week not not yesterday, but um, the week week before uh, had had a gal lead worship, and um, it was really cool. She she brought a new song. I, I was telling you, David. She brought that a. Uh, uh, that Chris Tomlin, Praise the Father, Praise the Son, uh, which really worked good because we've been looking, we've been going through this uh, series in our church, um, uh, just different doctrinal issues, and we were talking about the Trinity, uh, and like, yeah, we've been talking about Trinity and then the Holy Spirit, and it just, it, it really fit well. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel like we're we're um, we're making we're making some really good progress with with our church and the music we're doing and different people leading Mm -hmm. our, our services...
1: See, this is the time of year where I, where it's easier to feel really good about worship ministry.
0: Yeah, but before before yeah <laughs> before things get like really crazy with Christmas.
1: And well, and we've you know we've just come out of summer, which so is like a really hard time where nobody's committed to being here. You know, everybody's on vacation. Then all of a sudden, after you get through September, then all of a sudden you got this like thriving worship ministry. Right? Like, yeah, October, wow.
0: November,
1: things are really going well. Good
0: good months. <coughs> Plus, uh, it's, it's dark out outside, mm-hmm. it's rainy, it's cold, it's miserable, so people, you know, they're like, ah, oh, sure, you know, I'll, I'll devote some more time to the ministry. Right. Yeah. I got nothing better to do. There's no
1: soccer practices going on with right. their kids, you know, no extracurricular activities of any kind. Yep. So, but yeah, it's, it feels like things are picking up. The thing is, like, I don't know what it's called, but like, you know, you have the, like a, a graph, Right. yeah. Where you're like, you hope you want to be going up, Uh, but then, but you don't want to come all the way back down. You know, you don't want to dip after, you know, when people, you don't want to dip as far down as you were before this year started. It's
0: like the ebb and flow. Yeah. So
1: you want to each, you know, each fall you want to be, you want to feel a little bit more secure about where, like where your people are and their commitment and like where you're going so that, you know. You could, you have a little you know another step higher when the next fall comes around. Yeah. So
0: it's the ebb and flow of ministry. You yeah. wanna you wanna try to get some momentum. It's it's all about you know getting getting some positive shifts and some positive changes in your worship ministry and being able to use that um, when when things you know it's like building up a reserve. You know you, you kind of build up a reserve when things get down. That's okay. You just you keep some of that momentum. Boom. You get into the next season.
1: Which I don't know if you've noticed this or if you've read much on some of the other worship pastors on Sunday set lists and they're talking about it. It'll come up every once in a while. You'll hear a worship pastor say, you know, well, we're using so-and-so and they've been waiting for like two years to be able to, for the chance to play because, you know, we just, we have, we just didn't have a place for them to play. We already had all, you know, mm. doesn't that make you just want to, Yeah. Why don't you spread the wealth, buddy? Yeah, I was you like,
0: know? hey, I could, I use a couple drummers. I could use a couple, <laughs> use a couple uh, bass players. Mm-hmm. I could use like another keyboard player, <laughs> electric guitarist. Yeah, I can use all of that.
1: Yeah, just throw, just throw, give us a whole band. Yeah, just send them our way, and we'll, we'll make sure give they get me to a, play. Give
0: a really good tenor singer, really good alto. I'll take that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Staff out a whole another band for once a month. Wouldn't that be Why great? Not? Yeah.
0: Why not?
1: But yeah, it just kind of makes you want to, makes you wonder what is it, what is it that, that they've got going on there where they've, they've got a fully staffed full rotation of a team and they've got like a deep bench too, you know, where all the, where they've got people they can pull well, in that are good.
0: You know, I think a lot of it is just, I mean, location, it's, mm-hmm. it's where people are, it's the history of the church is, I mean, there's a million factors. I mean, right now. You know, we we probably have more youth involved in our worship ministry than we do adults, and that's simply because you know we have a really big youth group with a lot of uh, musicians who've been attending the youth group, and and I've been able to invest in a lot of those guys because I, you know I I find myself relating a little better to youth than I do adults, right? And so um, you know, so I've been able to to grab them, kind of take them under my wings or whatever. And as a result, we have all these youth who are on the worship team. You know, d- does that does that mean that our church is like some hip, cool, happening, contemporary, progressive, rocking, you know, worship type of thing? No, it doesn't mean that. It's just it's just different uh, different situations and different things that bring people to a church. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what is it that brings people to certain churches? I'm not sure. What is it that creates ministries where um where there's a you know, a million musicians. I, I don't know. I mean a lot of it is once you get that momentum, it it continues to build. Once you're known as a church with good music, uh musicians naturally gravitate towards you. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I think that's really important, you know. <laughs> and it's it's like the catch 22 it's the it's kind of the same thing as when you're trying to get your first full-time job everybody wants somebody with experience
0: yeah how do you get
1: experience? how do you get experience if nobody will hire anybody that doesn't have any experience right yeah. it's the same kind of thing with with worship ministry you need to have a good high quality music to attract high quality musicians but how do you get high quality music if you don't already have you know what i mean yep you have to you have to really do some uh, grassroots kind of stuff there to get exactly to get it going yeah. right so it's a process
0: it is it's a process and you know don't I, I don't know I, I I try to not you know get down on myself over those kind of things because you know I, I figure you know I figure God you know God's faithful to, to bring the right people to Laurelwood you know at the right time and'm and I'm, I'm convinced that there are people who come to our church um who maybe they just come for a season but the reason they're there is because um you know th- because they're learning something or using something or God's teaching them something and they'll never be the same because of it you mm-hmm. know God 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 brings the right people in so y- you know yeah it's easy to get down and say oh you know I don't have people and and I I do that I get frustrated when when I think I wish I had more you know, more drummers or, or more bass players. And, you know, it seems like there's not a single bass player in the world who, who wants to, uh, you know, in fact, the opposite people are right. Bass players are leaving and you're like, man. Um, but you know, just, just trusting that God will bring the right people at the right time.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's hard, you know, cause then, cause then once they come, then you have a, a whole different challenge. Keeping them, yeah, you know, because music, you know, as much as people love music and as much as musicians want to do good music, it's never enough mm. to hold them there. There's got to be something else, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a relationship. I think they've got to have good community with the people that they're playing with, yeah, and that's what we're working on trying to figure out how to facilitate without monopolizing people's time at the same time, so right, right, anyway. There's our little worship discussion for
0: Hey, that was exciting. Yeah. But hey, we're we're gonna try to finish chapter two of uh, Paul Balash's book, God Songs. In case you are joining us for the first time, um, we've been going through this excellent book written by Paul Balash and Jimmy and Carol Owens. It's titled God Songs. You can uh, buy it on Amazon or go to Paul Balash's website, Leadworshipper.com Lead worship. Oh, sorry, Leadworship.com. Yes. Uh, anyway, we're we finished the last episode, um, going through chapter two, and I think we are just starting to talk about hooks, or we hadn't quite gotten to hooks before.
1: So we're starting on hooks anyway. Yeah,
0: well, let's do it. Um, musical hooks, not musical not hooks. not like Peter Pan, um, Captain Hook type deal. Or um, yeah,
1: you know, we're still talking musical hooks, not title hooks, right?
0: Yeah, isn't that
1: it? Yeah. Yeah, because the first point is the main hook will be even stronger if it incorporates the title. There it is. Right?
0: There it is.
1: Which, so, so the musical hook, that's like the, should be like the most memorable, repeatable, gets stuck in your head line of the whole song. Right? I mean, Some, yeah. That's... At least that's the way I think of it. That you know, when you're writing your song, the title and it and it's it's well, it's funny to me that he mentions it's even stronger if it incorporates the title, because up until now, everyone I've heard say that that they have to be one and the same. Like, hmm. like the the musical hook has to be the title, at least in terms of the melody. You know, a lot of songs will have a musical hook that's like the intro. Like thinking of um
0: Glorious. That's a mm-hmm. that's a classic song. Uh Paul Balash's new song Glorious, it has that boom 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 which, which is kind of a musical hook. Right. And then and then they kinda of sing that on the bridge to go oh, oh 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 Right. A you rendition of it, Yes yeah. yeah so, so,
1: minute. but like, uh, what's that? What was that girl's name? I can't remember her name. She did that song, "A Thousand Miles," secular song. Mm. Um, it had this piano, really cool piano. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: so there that's an example of a hook that doesn't right. have the word, right? Right, right? There's no words to it, but you like if I were to start playing that yeah, everyone, a, a whole lot of people everyone would know does that, right? Yeah. Yep. So the so there's the hook of that song. Um but they give the examples of I could sing of your love forever, shout to the Lord. I could sing of your love forever. I'm really mm-hmm. glad we don't do that song anymore by the way.
0: You don't do it anymore? No. Why?
1: That was uh, that was one of those songs, you know, like four <laughs> words sung twenty five times. That, it, yeah, it does get a little. That's if you do it if you do it just like once or twice, and you don't do the rest of the song, then I don't know. It's okay for me. It's
0: passable, but so you just don't like how you keep singing it. Yeah, ah, da, 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 I know that's da, da, the point. Yeah, I'm singing right. it forever. I really could sing of it forever, and we are. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like to me. So,
1: um, anyway, who knows? People probably would like it here. I know at my last church they didn't, but um, they didn't like this song. No, no kidding. Mm. But yeah, shout to the dun 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 dun. It's just got that everyone knows what that is. Yep. So, um, this this was interesting to me. The next point, one of the strongest ways to use your main hook is to open the song with it, mm. and I question that because because they also say that like you're supposed to, you know, one of the best ways to to use your hook is on in the chorus and bookends of the chorus. It should be the title of the song, if that, you know what I mean. Right? Maybe I mean, it's just because I'm I'm having a hard time separating those two.
0: Well, separating the word think, hook
1: from the melody hook.
0: You know, I, I think I think you can make a case for both. Um, you know, for me personally, I the, the songs where where it, it builds and leads into the chorus. Um, you know, those are the songs that I that I remember. Um, but I mean, he gives some good examples here, which you know, Lord, I lift your name on high. Uh, Come now, is the time to worship. Open the eyes of my heart, as the deer. I mean, those are all songs that start with. Um, you know, with the uh, the title of the song, and and they're memorable. I mean, those are all memorable songs.
1: Definitely, yeah. But it's just it just seems to be opposite of what of what is mostly happening.
0: Yeah, but but now. when you but when you talk about song titles, though, um, I mean, you know, think about think about "Open the Eyes of My Heart." You know, the chorus uh, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power of love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. Um, I mean, there's really not a song title anywhere in that chorus, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can't imagine calling the song To See You High. Uh, I, I guess that could be the name of the song, mm-hmm.
1: but... Yeah, and that's true, and that's what they say. You know, you shouldn't... Your your title of the song should be something that's repeated often enough in the song that people know when they hear the song that that's the title. Yep, yep. So... Um, i don't know it's just i guess that's something i've i was having a hard time with but yes. it's because like um he says the next point if the hook happens both at the beginning and end of the course we call that book ends which they say is a very good thing to do by the way so bookends, good thing
0: but the point the the main point he's making here is repetition yeah you know and, and and that's the key. If you're using a bookend, if you're, I mean, whatever it is, as long as you're repeating it. And he says that, um, you know, every song needs repetition. Uh, you know, some songs need repetition more than others. <laughs> um, but you know, and, and I, I think I think it's true. Um, and then of course the opposite is true. Some songs maybe are a little too repetitive. I can sing your love forever, mm-hmm. like you were just talking about. Meh
1: yeah and and what what he says next is the trick is finding the balance between enough repetition to make the song stick and so much repetition that it gets annoying yeah. so and it, it is a balance it's a it's a craft it's not you we can't expect to just get it right the first time yeah
0: you know he says something later on um that I absolutely loved I took note of this because I, I don't know about you um maybe in your your former church which which had a, a number of older people but um, I, I get this I get this sometimes, not not a lot, but I get sometimes people saying, you know, why do we sing you know the, these new worship songs that you're just singing the same thing over and over and over again, you know, and, and you're singing the same lines. Um, and Paul makes a great comment here. He says, uh, you know, these repetitive hooks, they, they aren't anything that's terribly new. Um, you know, it, it's not like some new invention in in pop music or in worship music. So uh, George Frederick Handel in 1742 he wrote this really famous song called uh, um, Handel's Messiah Hallelujah Chorus, and the chorus is Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah for the Lord God, Omnipotent reigneth Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah for the Lord God, Omnipotent reigneth Hallelujah, Hallelujah. You know it's like like that. That's the entire chorus. And I mean, you want to talk about repetitive? And I was like, "That's great." Next time, I next yeah. time someone says to me, "Why do we sing these songs?" I was like, "Well, it's been done for hundreds <laughs> of years, so you're gonna be okay."
1: Well, it's been done for millennia.
0: Oh yeah, like in the Psalms. In the Psalms, and and that's his next yeah his next point there. You, you see that all the time in the Psalms. Uh, great Psalm 148: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens praise Him in the heights above, praise Him, all His angels, praise Him, all His heavenly hosts, praise Him, sun and moon, praise... You know, it's like, how cool is that? It's it's not a new concept. In fact, um, you can make the argument, it's a biblical concept, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, right? yeah, you think about uh, Chris Tomlin's song, Forever.
0: Hmm. Forever. God Taken right miserable. out of the Psalms. Give
1: yep. thanks to the Lord, our God and King, His love endures forever. You know, and then uh, he changes a little bit, but for he is a good for he's good. You know, he's it repeats his love is his love endures forever. Endure forever a whole bunch of times yep. through that entire psalm. So it's yep. obviously something that's been done for thousands and thousands of years. So it's a good thing. It's biblical. That's a good argument. It's biblical. It's biblical. It's biblical to re- to repeat well, yeah, stuff. I
0: think it's hard. I mean, generationally, people who grew up with hymns, you know, they they love the theology. And they love the doctrine that's inside hymns, and, and I'll hear that a lot. That you know, um, you know that that's where you learn good sound doctrine inside hymns, um, w- which is true. I mean, there's great theology, there's great doctrine, and so I'll, I'll hear that kind of, I'll hear that in in light of, you know, why don't these new songs, you know, they just say the same thing over? I can mm-hmm. sing to your love forever a hundred times. Well, and I and I got to be honest, I, I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah, and
1: you know, and that's that's kind of one of the things I'm trying to work on. I don't want to get so theologically heavy in my songs that I write that they're like hymns mm-hmm. that you know most people can't understand it. But at the same time, I feel like it's a need. I feel like it's a necessity that we have in modern worship music that if we don't if we don't work some of that in, then I think there's going to be a whole generation of people. Who, I mean, when you think about, when I think about theology, you know, in in light of all the theology classes that we took at Multnomah, when I think about theology, the first things that come to mind are hymns. Like when I think about when I think about who God is, what comes to mind first is immortal, invisible, huh. and then a mighty fortress is our God. Uh-huh. And like and and these hymns that I've learned and sung my whole life, those are the those are the first places I go when I think about the attributes of God. Right? Yeah. I don't go to my notes and pull them out and so. Um, I, and I, so I'll give you an example. We just did this song this last week and our we just started a series on Ephesians. We're going through the book of Ephesians. And um, so the sermon this week was to start it off and uh, talking about how we are saints, which is a controversial, you know, when you compare it to how the Catholic Church views saints, you know, you have to be right. dead and you have yeah, to get nominated and or... the pope has to you know you have to go through this whole process but paul but paul in his letters addresses the people that he's writing, writing the letters to as saints like to the saints in Ephesus yeah. right yeah. which the point is yeah we're already saints and so i've been and i i had written a song kind of kind of on like our identity in christ and like and how how we're, we're in this battle. And and so my, my take on it was, was the idea that, that right now I am crowned. Hmm. Like I don't have to wait until you know, until I die and I'm in in heaven to get crowns right now. I'm crowned as a child of the King, I'm crowned. Hmm. And so, so that's, so I wrote a song around that idea because there aren't any, Right, you know, because I've looked, I've looked for songs around just that kind of idea. (laughs) I'm gonna write one, and um, and the and the thing is, you know, people are connecting with it because, because it's the message is unique. Mm. It's not unique to history to the history of music, but it's unique. And contemporary music. Well, and,
0: and you know what you did? Uh, it totally reminded me. Um, I, I went to this worship conference a few months ago. Brian Dirksen was there, and he taught a workshop on songwriting. And what you did is something that Brian Dirksen said that we should be doing as songwriters. We should always be writing music to fill a gap. Um, because, you know, there, there's there's going to be a million songs about one thing or another. Don't, don't write a song... Uh, to be just another another song in, in the midst of hundred, you know, write songs intentionally to fill a gap, and you you saw a gap where, where there's there aren't songs about being saints, and there aren't songs about identities in in Christ and what that looks like, and so you wrote towards that. Um, anyway, I, I just think that's really cool. Well, it's kind
1: of what it's kind of what any artist has to do. Yeah. you have to find your niche. You know, you have to find like for photographers. You know, they'll go, they'll spend fifteen or twenty years of their life taking pictures of everything and then all of a sudden they'll figure out that they have a niche and that they take these certain kind of pictures the best and then they focus on that for the rest of their life and then they become renowned for that Mm. and so you know that's part of what we have to do now as songwriters as we're growing and learning we have to find our niche And, and that might be my niche it might not be but that might be where God is, has called me to write songs, and so you know I need to be aware of that. But anyway, another idea here that he mentioned that I thought was, that I thought might be worth kind of bringing back into music was on page 52, where he's talking about Hebrew and psalms, and he says, rather than rhyming sounds as we do, the ancient Hebrew writers <laughs> made much use of uh, metrical rhythm and parallel, parallelism or the rhyming of meaning. Mm. Which I thought, hey, that's an old new concept,
0: old, but making new, yeah, I mean making new. when
1: was the last time you heard a song that that rhymed meaning? hmm well,
0: you know what i mean yeah i I, I can't even think of any right yeah. now, so that might I be don't...
1: something that's worth thinking about,
0: no. so he in chapter two um ch- again chapter two is what makes a great worship song now he moves into this idea of, uh, song forms. And I think this is something that as worship leaders, we're all kind of aware of, you know, uh, you got, you got song forms like hymns, which are just verses, you know, a, 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 a uh, or verse one, verse two, verse three, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. Or you got, you got your classic, um, you know, uh, a, b, a, b, b type thing, mm-hmm. Cor verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus. Um, and what is it he says here? Uh,
1: Well, one of the things I think is important, you know, when you're studying the different forms, is to is to try and follow some of the guidelines that he sets in the form, like like on the verses. When it's if it's an AAA A song, if it's all verses, he says each verse has different words and builds on the theme or story Mm. the focus or the of the or subject is the same in each verse and each verse gives a different perspective or deeper meaning on the subject and the story grows as it goes along so i think it's important when you're doing that kind of song to stick into you know i don't think we should do an an a section a verse and then do another verse but in our mind it's really a chorus but it has the same the same melody as the verse, and then do another verse, and then do you know? I think that you know we don't want to like we don't want to mix them necessarily. I don't think.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean there needs to be some continuity. I, there does, um, you know. But he also says that that there's unity and variety. Um, you know, he says that each line, each section, it, it must follow us, uh, logically. Um, don't just repeat the same information in different ways. Um, but but there is there are many ways to achieve that that unity in the variety, uh, you know things like uh, putting putting the chorus or the bridge in a higher register. And I remember that that was something I, I heard from uh, Matt Redman. Um, I heard him speaking, and he was saying that you know he he likes to by the time the chorus comes, you know he he wants it to be really high in the registry, so you're almost kind of shouting it and singing it, you know. As kind of an anthem,
1: mm-hmm. um, which he kind of jumps into a little bit later in this chapter, like on page sixty-two, he calls it a built-in cry uh, is important yep, in a worship yep, song. Yep, you know, same thing, like uh, Hosanna, Paul Malachas, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeah, 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 you're singing it out right. Yeah, and that's it's higher. It's the highest part of the song. Yeah,
0: Hosanna. So the
1: cry is the title yep, and he repeats and it a lot in the chorus.
0: He must have read this book. He
1: must have.
0: <laughs> or he wrote it or one or the other.
1: Hey, one challenge to throw out there. When was the last time you, you, you introduced a new good
0: AAA song? Uh, just two weeks ago. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was that praise the father. Pray- no, never mind. That, that, that has a chorus, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Gosh, I guess the last one I can think of is uh, "Thy Mercy," which is that Cateman's Call song. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good song. See, the
1: last one I can think of right now is um, "How Deep the Father's Love for Us." Mm. Right?
0: Yeah, kind of basically modern day hymns in mm-hmm. Christ alone. How deep the Father's which, love. But I don't think it needs mercy. to be
1: classified. Like I don't think to have a good AA song, it has to be also classified as a modern day On, hymn. Yeah. Like, I, I think we could have
0: an AAA song. That isn't him-esque? Yeah. That's, that, there aren't a whole lot of them, though. That's the thing. Right. There really aren't. See, now I'm racking my brain trying to think of <laughs> trying to think of songs we've done that are just verses mm-hmm. that, that aren't him or that are new. Hey, there's a lot left to this
1: chapter. Do you think we're going to finish?
0: Uh, how much time we got?
1: Uh, it's at 30 minutes right now.
0: Wow. Oh. Well, we've been we've been on this chapter a long time. We got we got to get through this chapter.
1: Okay, so let's let's uh, just breeze through some of the rest yep. of stuff. So, uh, the simple, you know, qualities, tension and release. Great, great idea. Lyric conv- conflict. You know, con- it consists in raising questions and answering them, posing problems and lost. resolving them.
0: I once was lost, but now and found. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you you got kind of the. Uh, the problem and the resolution that that's a lyrical conflict with tension and release.
1: But there, there's some really good stuff here right on this page, you know, harmonic conflict. Mm. That's a great, great concept. Unresolved tones. Mm -hmm. Yep. Rhythmic contrast. Very, very important for a good worship song to have rhythmic contract, especially between the verse and the chorus. Um, and same thing with melodic conflict. Um, you got some variation, you know, conflict between the verse and the chorus, right? And, and he makes
0: he makes a great point here. With too little conflict, the music quickly becomes boring. Mm-hmm. And great example. I I love the song once again, Matt Redman, but I, it drives me crazy because the entire chorus is da 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 da. Right? right? Like mm-hmm. you know, once again, I look. I, it, it's 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 just eighth notes on one note the entire time and. It gets boring. You yes. know? It's a great mm-hmm. song, though. I just wish there was more to it.
1: But at the same time, back to that idea of balance, he says, with too much conflict, the song may, may become confusing and hard for the listener to take in. Oh. Balance, balance, balance. Okay, we're going to skip to the, uh, the praise and worship song falls into three categories. I think we all have a general understanding of that. Mm-hmm. Built and cry, we already talked about that. Keeping it simple. Simple. Page 63. Uh, simplicity is vital in a strong worship song Simple lyric concept Simple melodic concept Simple chords and repetition, repetition, repetition Simple but not simplistic Successful people songs are simple in harmony And and I think we've talked about And we've even read this quote a few times But Paul's quote On the top of the next oh, page
0: th- This was the reason why, why yeah. I got the book And why mm-hmm. we started doing this Because this quote right here totally, you got to read this again
1: Okay, I'll read it I like to consider myself a servant with my songwriting. We are servants and songs are our tools. If you really care for God's people, like a true pastor longs to see his congregation built up and thriving in their faith, then you will make musical and lyrical choices that best serve the church. And I would even say right there, sacrifices. Yeah, for musicians. Sometimes, sometimes. Regardless of how much music, education, and talent you have, in your writing, you will always opt for what the average person will be able to sing as opposed to writing over people's head, heads. It's a pride issue that we all have to deal with. Don't write music to impress your music friends. Strive to serve and inspire others with music that they can sing. Uh, and I, the it. reason I say sacrifice I is because as a musician... It's not all that exciting to play worship music necessarily anymore. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah mu- worship music can be kind of simple. Um, but
1: we have to sacrifice our own wants and needs and serve the body so that we're singing songs that they can connect with right. and connect with God.
0: And, and that's the thing. you know. It, it's it's going to maybe be simple, but you know what? It's going to be singable. People will be able to worship to it, and basically you're a servant by doing it that way. And, and, and that's what he talks about, you know, these worship songs, they should be easy to learn. Uh, they should be memorable and quick mm-hmm. and, and, and very, very easy to pick up on. And it doesn't, it doesn't minimize, you know, don't think as a musician, like, oh boy, I have to write a worship song, so you know it's going to be super boring. I mean, look at it like, hey, this is my opportunity to bring truth to God's people, and how can I do it in a memorable way uh, that, that's fresh and simple but relevant, you yeah. know?
1: Um, an excellent quote from Mark Twain. Mark Twain expressed the secret of his success this way. My books are water. Those of the great geniuses are wine. Everybody drinks water. Yep. yep. F- phenomenal quote. Everyone drinks water. Yeah. You get, you got to keep that in your mind when you're writing songs. Um, easy to learn. Worship songs should be easy to learn. You know, we just talked about that. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much. There's some application here at the end um, about hooks and um, the title and repetition and um, built-in cries and tension and so one I, line leads us logically to the
1: next. Sequential yeah. writing, most successful way of writing for worship songs. And he he ends it with this great with this great uh, quote not what quote he wrote it in some ways it can be harder to write a worship song than other kinds of songs because you have to get a strong nugget of an idea condensed into a few words. Mm. And this takes discipline in the art of distillation. If you've ever worked on like at a church staff level, a mission statement or or like a vision statement,
0: like a or, one sentence thing yeah. that encapsulates every yeah. yeah. That's yep. that's
1: what he's talking about, that's and that's tough. what we've got to do with worship songs. Yeah. We've got to take a big idea and do go through that process and distill it down to uh, one idea.
0: Yeah, and all the while making it singable, making it uh, repetitious, having having a good balance between. Um, You know, uniqueness and singability and having a balance between the title. And I mean, there's all these things that go into uh, making a great worship song. So, good good discussion.
1: Yeah. All right. That's it. Hey, we finished that in five, six minutes. That wasn't bad. bad. So, uh, hey, this is Worship Ministry Catalyst. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. I'm David, and I've been with you this whole time. And so has uh, me, Kevin. We I, never introduced ourselves yeah, today. Hi. We just hopped right in there. <laughs> but uh, so we broke that cardinal rule of of broadcasting. But whoops! Oh well, we're not wow. really broadcasters anyway. Wow. So uh, you can get in touch with us online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com, or you can send us an email to David at Worship Ministry Catalyst or Kevin at
0: WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com.
1: And you can always join our social network and uh, chat with us and other worship leaders from around the globe at
0: WorshipMinistryCatalyst.com.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.